Good evening, friends. Good evening. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're going to start with a little thought experiment. Let's imagine, let's just imagine for a moment that you are living in Los Angeles, and one day you're walking down the street, and you drop dead right there in the middle of the street. You are 43 years old. And do you think it's likely within hours of you dropping dead in the middle of the street, a 43-year-old, that every single news agency in the world would immediately begin reporting that there is nothing unusual about this, that it is certainly due to natural causes, and that, that you had a history of heart problems, according to unidentified sources. I mean, if that happened, do you think that would be a little bit suspicious? Well, apparently not, if you happen to be Andrew Breitbart, of course best known as the founder of Breitbart.com. And as I'm sure many of you are aware, or probably all of you by this point, yes, that's exactly what happened to Andrew Breitbart today. Conservative activist Andrew Breitbart dead at 43. And according to Reuters.com, conservative activist Andrew Breitbart, an influential voice in Republican circles known for his online media attacks on liberals, died unexpectedly of natural causes in Los Angeles early on Thursday, his family said. He was 43. Breitbart, the founder of a news website named after himself, was walking late on Wednesday near his Los Angeles home when he collapsed, said his father-in-law, actor Orson Bean. He collapsed on the sidewalk, and the paramedics were there very quickly, and they couldn't revive him, Bean told Reuters in a phone interview. A friend of Breitbart told Reuters he had a history of heart problems and is believed to have suffered a heart attack. Wow, a convenient friend out of nowhere to pop up with the answer to how this 43-year-old suddenly flopped down dead in the middle of the street. Now, that seems perfectly plausible, because as we all know, you don't actually need an autopsy to discover how someone died. I mean, that's not what they did recently with Whitney Houston, or that's not what they did with Michael Jackson. That's not what they do in any of these cases. They don't need an autopsy to find out why someone died. An anonymous friend quoted by Reuters is all you need to know exactly what happened. Unless, well, maybe there was something else to this Breitbart story, and maybe something, some other reason or possible explanation that maybe we should look into before we come to any rash conclusions. And I base that on a speech that he delivered last month to the CPAC convention, and I think it's pretty interesting. So let's take a listen to a bit of that speech. And so what do we get now in Barack Obama? Well, I've got videos, by the way. This election, we're going to vet him. I've got videos. This election, we're going to vet him from his college days to show you. Why? To show you why racial division and class warfare are central to what hope and change was sold in 2008. The videos are going to come out, the narrative is going to come out that Barack Obama met a bunch of silver ponytails back in the 1980s, like Bill and Bernadine Dorn, who, equally radical, said one day we're going to have the presidency, and the rest of us slept while they plotted, and they plotted, and they plotted, and they oversaw hundreds of millions of dollars in the Annenberg Challenge, and they had real money from real capitalists 
who gave it on to their children and their children's children, and then they become communists. We've got to work on that. We've got to work on that. That's a parenthesis. All right, well, make of that communist uh, red scourge menace uh, talk at the end what you will. And certainly Breitbart was coming from firmly within that phony left-right paradigm whereby the communists are the enemy or the conservatives are the enemy, when in fact it's both wings of the same bird of prey going in the same direction. But uh, the fact that he had some sort of video from Obama's very mysterious college days has to be a point that we take into consideration before we rush to the judgment that he died at the age of 43 of natural causes. More on this after this break. Welcome back to Portland Report Radio, friends. We're here on this going over the news, taking your phone calls, and of course, since it is Thursday evening, we'll be talking to James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com in the latter half of the broadcast, so stay tuned for that. But tonight, in the first half, we are going over this developing Andrew Breitbart story. Uh, the Once again, the founder of Breitbart.com, keeled over dead in the middle of the street at 43 years old. One month after having said that he has these videos that have never been seen before of Obama in his college days that will blow the lid off the 2012 election. So we, at this point, it is too early to say anyway what what happened, which is exactly why I'm suspicious of the fact that now the universally reported certain truth is that he has absolutely died of natural causes, which apparently has been determined before any type of autopsy could have been performed or the results released. So I think we can all agree that uh, it's too too early to make any type of judgment. But it is interesting, at the very least, that Breitbart claims to have these college records of Obama because certainly his college days, in fact, a lot of his early history, as we all know by now, is shrouded in mystery. And once again, that's not just uh, some sort of embellishment or something that people are making up off the top of their heads. There are actual tons of documents and records which have been sealed and uh, otherwise repressed that we would normally have on pretty much anyone who uh, who's running for office uh, for uh, the president of the United States, let alone someone who's actually sitting in that office, but not for Obama. And uh, just for an example of some of the records that are still under lock and seal and uh, being kept away from the public's prying eyes, according to WND.com, which ran a story uh, just two months ago in January of this year, White House dodges Obama's college transcripts, and it notes that among the documents that have not been released by Obama are his kindergarten records, Punahou school records, Occidental College records, Columbia University records, Columbia thesis, Harvard Law School records, Harvard Law, for Re- Harvard Law Review articles, scholarly articles from the University of Chicago, passport, medical records, files from his years as Illinois State Senator, Illinois State Bar Association records, any baptism records, and his adoption records. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing to hide there. Nothing to be uh, worried about uh, coming out. So, once again, Breitbart coming out and saying that he's got some sort of video of Obama in his college days, about which we know virtually nothing, is uh, is pretty amazing. And um, to my mind, as someone who has gone over this time and time and time again in my podcast, talking about the mysterious suicides of people like Gary Webb, who uh, was working on another book, he'd already written, written one, but another book going even further into government complicity in drug dealing, the CIA shipping in the drugs. He was working on another book, and during the course of writing that book, shot himself twice in the head. 
uh, according to the the official story. Or we have uh, people like Danny Casolaro working on the octopus, which was the uh, the conspiracy that that had its tentacles into so many different things: the Campazon Indian Reserve and uh, the uh, arms for hostages and uh, all of the the shenanigans going on in the 80s, including, of course, what became P-Tech and all of that rigmarole. Well, he uh, ended up supposedly cutting, slitting open his wrists in a bathtub and uh, and bleeding to death quietly. And all of his notes and everything that he was working on for the story that he had blown open just went missing. Uh, the DC madam, who had, of course, all the records of all the people who had used her services uh, to, to procure escorts and, uh, well, prostitutes. I mean, let's not beat around the bush, including some of the highest-ranking officials who uh, it was later confirmed included people like Dick Cheney, according to Wayne Madsen. Well, uh, she she went on record, she went live on radio uh, just a couple of months before hanging herself to say she would never kill herself. And, of course, immediately after being discovered dead, and immediately after that being immediately ruled a suicide, there was immediately a person on the scene who claimed to be a friend who claimed that in some off-the-record conversation she said she was probably going to kill herself. When, on fact, in fact, on the record, on live radio, she had claimed in black and white, you can go look it up for yourself, she claimed, I will never commit suicide, I love life. So, uh, and again, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. David Kelly and uh, and the uh, the whistleblower for the Murdoch scandal last year. Uh, and uh, again, it just happens over and over. So, I, if there's any message to take out of this, it's that if you are a whistleblower and you have documents on someone like Obama or whoever, you better get those documents public. Don't talk about the documents and say you have them and it's going to be released. Well, again, it's still too early to say anything conclusive about what happened with Breitbart, but at the very least, we have to be aware that it smells fishy. And uh, certainly, if these videos end up never surfacing, there will be uh, some very hard questions to ask about what's going on right now. But on uh, on the question of Obama, since, uh, since this is really what this seems to be revolving around at this point, we should uh, direct your attention to some resources by which you can actually, uh, well, hopefully determine for yourselves what what types of secrets might be in the uh, stuffed in the closet of of obama's uh, skeletons as it were and for that i'll uh, refer you to an article a bombshell barack obama conclusively outed as cia creation that was from a wayne madsen report from august of 2010 and it goes into some detail and uh, it's a very lengthy report again i'll put the link in the show notes for tonight's episode at corporatereport.com/radio so you can go read it for yourself I'll just read a couple of paragraphs it says uh, investigative journalist wayne madsen has discovered cia files that document the agency's connections to institutions and individuals figuring prominently in the lives of barack obama and his mother father grandmother and stepfather the first part of his report highlights the connections between Barack Obama Sr. and the CIA-sponsored operations in Kenya to counter rising Soviet and Chinese influence among student circles and beyond to create conditions obstructing the emergence of independent African leaders. President Obama's own work in 1983 for Business International Corporation, a CIA front that conducted seminars with the world's most powerful leaders and used journalists as agents abroad, dovetails with CIA espionage, act, espionage activities conducted by his mother, Stanley Ann Dunham, in 1960s post-coup Indonesia on behalf of a number of CIA front operations, including the East-West Center at the University of Hawaii, the U.S. Agency for International Development, and the Ford Foundation. Dunham met and married Lolo Sotoro, 
Obama's stepfather at the East-West Center in 1965. So Toro was recalled to Indonesia in 65 to serve as a senior army officer and assist General Suharto and the CIA in the bloody overthrow of President Sukarno. And as I say, it goes on and on and on and on and on. The connections are vast, deep, and multifaceted, so you really do have to pay attention to that report if you haven't seen it before, because it does go into some of the repressed history of Obama and uh, the types of things that, well, I assume they would uh, very much not like to get out. And if there was some sort of video or some sort of other documentary evidence that really was going to blow the lid off the 2012 election, well, one can imagine how that might create the type of motive that uh, police that were conducting an honest investigation of the sudden and unexplained death of a 43-year-old man uh, would be interested in, in looking into rather than just immediately declaring it a natural-caused death. But uh, just along those lines, uh, there, the mainstream media from time to time picks up on this from the phony left-right political angle as if it's all just some political game and it all depends who's who's in the lead. So you'll find right-wing, quote-unquote, news sites will tend to pick up these anti-Obama stories and run with them to a certain extent, but only as it, only as it applies to questions that would delegitimize the democrats but but of course if it's if it's to do with a republican i mean we can't hate obama because because of uh because of the the policies that he's enacted because he broke pretty much every single campaign pledge that he made on the campaign trail in 2008 because he's expanded Guant- guantanamo and the indefinite detentions because he's uh, expanded prosecution of government whistleblowers because he's expanded the police state and signed into law NDA- the ndaa and all of these other incredible horrible abuses of and desecrations of the constitution no let's not hate him for that Let, let's hate him because he's a commie and uh and that's tends to be the gist of it so you'll find things like from newsmax.com back in march 2011 they had an article ex-cia operative obama never properly vetted and uh talking about how the cia didn't do a proper vetting of obama and his background and uh and again it's always the question of well we're going to find he's uh, he's uh, an illegal immigrant or something which uh, which of course would delegitimize his presidency but uh but the idea is just to get a republican into office according to these people as if that's going to solve all of the world's problems and then of course there's the other angle that we often see wired.com danger room from uh, 2012 January 3rd 2012 white house denies cia teleported obama to mars and uh, basically, they go out of their way to highlight the claims of uh, some people who say that Obama was part of some secret DARPA-funded CIA project to send to teleport people to Mars in the early 1980s, and blah blah blah. More distraction that they create out of whole cloth in order to discredit all of this information, all of the genuine things that people have actually uncovered about Obama's real history. No, let's not concentrate on his uh, his time with Business International Corporation or, or look at the connections of his mother and his stepfather and all of these people to the CIA, the documented connections that we can prove. No, let's, let's dig up the stupidest, craziest, out-of-left-field claim we possibly can and highlight that and attack it. Can anyone say attacking a straw man? That's exactly what they want to do. So, unfortunately, that does work on a lot of the uh, the pre-programmed sheeple out there who are just pre-programmed to believe that any questioning of anything that we see in the mainstream respectable news must must be this crazy teleporting people to Mars, DARPA, secret backroom shenanigans things. It can't it can't actually be a real conspiracy. 
So again, we see them throwing out those old canards and trying to discredit everything, as they always and inevitably do in order to discredit the entire kid and caboodle, throw out the baby and the bathwater. That's exactly the way they like it, and that's exactly how the mainstream media rolls. So those are my thoughts on the Breitbart situation. As I say, it's too early to say one way or another what's happening. I don't know. I don't think anyone except the people who may have been involved in this actually do know what happened. But I'm pretty sure we can safely say that it's too early to say definitively and conclusively this was due to natural causes. So, that's my take on the Breitbart for now. And as I say, the phone lines are open if you want to get in tonight. We have one person waiting on the line. We'll go to after the break. And for anyone else, 1-800-313-9443. And coming up at the half-hour mark, we'll be talking to James Evan Pilato, foodworldorder.com. Stay tuned right there. Hard to interrupt Miles Davis, isn't it? But at any rate, welcome back to the Broadcast Friends Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And once again, the phone lines are open uh, for this segment at any rate. And we will go to uh, Werner in New Brunswick, who's waiting on the line shortly. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention that uh, as of today, I have just released the new 2010 video archive DVD at CorbettReport.com. For anyone who's followed Corbett Report before in the past, you'll know that I released a 2009 video archive collecting some of the best videos that I, I created in 2009, putting it on a video DVD and uh, and selling that on my website. And I have just released the 2010 edition of that archive, so we're gradually working our way up to the present. And uh, this, uh, this new 2010 video archive DVD contains almost 120 minutes, so it's pretty much as jam-packed as the DVD can possibly be. And for the first time ever on DVD, uh, there are nine different videos on here, including uh, uh, some interviews with people like Alex Jones, Gerald Salente, uh, Dan Dix of PressForTruth.tv, talking about a range of subjects. There's also a classic episode of New World Next Week, uh, two classic episodes of Sunday Update, and a couple of uh, commentaries, one my Meaning of Austerity uh, video, and the other one my very popular When False Flags Don't Fly video. And all of that has just been released, but it's not available from my website yet. That will be tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. For anyone who wants it now, you can you can get your hands on a copy by subscribing to my Corbett Report newsletter, which just went out today. It comes out on the first of every month uh, via email. Basically, uh, anyone who signs up, uh, just send 100 Japanese yen a month or so, and that's about $1.30 a month. And you, you get the e-newsletter, which includes a news summary by myself, recommended reading and viewing, a subscriber-only video, and 25% off of each and every DVD that I have for sale at CorbettReport.com, including the brand-new 2010 video archive. So once again, details of that are all available at CorbettReport.com slash support. But having said that, let's go to the phone lines, and let's talk to Werner in New Brunswick. Werner, thanks for calling in again tonight. Thanks, uh, thanks for that. What's on your mind? Yeah, good evening. Isn't the technology amazing? I'm talking to you, and it sounds like I'm talking to my neighbor. Absolutely. It's the world. But technology can be very terrible, too. And uh, you mentioned there about the death of this father Breitbart, the natural death. Uh, a few years ago, there was uh, I was listening to Lorraine Day on uh, Coast to Coast. That was before I discovered RBN. And uh, she said uh, one thing, what she was saying was, uh, 
Anybody can kill someone, but it takes an expert to cause a natural death. <laughs> yeah, that's very true, isn't it? And and we do know the, of all the different technologies that have come out over the years about how they do this. So I mean, even back in the 1970s during the church committee hearings, they showed the uh, the guns that they could use to send ice pellets into people that would leave nothing other than a small red dot and would uh, would instantly kill them. But uh, there'd be pretty much nothing that a that uh, someone who didn't know specifically what they were looking for would be able to find, and that was back in the 1970s. So you can imagine, 40 years on, how much uh, further that type of technology has developed. Uh, one thing what I had been following up when I was in investigating something what happened with my animals, and that was uh, uh, one way of killing is uh, to, uh, with directed energy, focus it in front of the uh, target, be it a human being, be it an animal, and modify the atmospheric air and basically make the nitrogen and the oxygen as a deadly weapon. By changing the oxygen into ozone and oxidizing the nitrogen. Right, right. Well, I see. I understand uh, the principle and, uh, there. It's interesting. Uh, you get three different forms of uh, nitrogen oxide. You get nitrogen oxide, you get nitrogen uh, dioxide, and uh, you get nitrogen trioxide. And especially with nitrogen trioxide, uh, one thing, it causes uh, corrosive damage in the lungs. And basically, the the lung uh, blood barrier is broken. This uh, highly reactive uh, oxygen trioxide gets into the bloodstream and, for, and uh, causes overoxidization of the blood and causes uh, blood clots. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I I don't know the specifics about that, but I certainly do know that uh, that whatever types of technology are out there. I mean, there are so many different ways to, in order to, to, to commit a uh, suiciding or a random natural cause death and, or whatever it, the case may be. So so we know that that exists, but apparently we're all conspiracy theorists if we do Oh, no, no, question. this is based on uh, good old sound science. Yeah, and, well, uh, no, exactly. But, but, but I, don't I, tell anyone from the mainstream media that. I got two more. Another one is uh, I came across a few years ago when uh, the tasers were made in, uh, making a kind of negative news about all the people that got killed by tasers. Mm -hmm. uh, I came across there was a California inventor, and he invented the, the phaser. Basically, where along an ionized trail, a very uh, special electric frequency was being shot at a uh, targeted person and basically uh, immobilized the person. They couldn't move anymore because it was interfering with the electronic impulses that made the muscles move. And every uh, muscle in the body got a very uh, specific electronic uh, electrical signature. So Set does the your phasers muscles. to stun, gentlemen. Pardon? Set your phasers to stun for the Star Trek uh, fans out there. Yeah, well, there you go. Just another development of the same technology I, that's I, been killing people left and right for far too long. I spoke to the, uh, the inventor personally because I, I took an interest in it. And uh, then there is another. You mentioned about ice pellets. Uh, you know what happens when you uh, uh, suddenly jump into ice-cold water. What happens to the heart? Well, it seizes up, clearly. But uh, the same way they can uh, they can focus through uh, directed energy and produce an extreme cold, whatever target of the uh, part of the body they target. Be it the well, heart. exactly. And as we were talking about with Dr. Begich last night, so many technologies out there, it's mind-boggling. But we'll leave it there for now. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Corbett Report Radio here on this Thursday evening where in the latter half of the broadcast it turns into Food World Order with our good friend James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com. And yes, let's do a 180 from what we've been talking about so far in the program and let's take a look at the world of food, health, and environment issues and what a wacky world it is. So it's great to have a resource like foodworldorder.com where we can keep abreast of all the latest. So, uh, James, thanks once again for coming on the program. Thanks a lot, man. I, I was just going to say, we have shifted quite wildly. I was, why couldn't I get the Miles Davis intro? I get the, <laughs> I get the Sorry Johnny. about that. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's different every week, and it's, and it's great to be back with you every week, and I, and I appreciate this. I, I think some of the things on foodworldorder.com lately, and especially the first story we're going to hit, really covers a lot of the bases and i think it shows how intimately connected you know the food environment health issue is to everything else north korea to freeze nuclear work u.s to give food aid and james we had probably discussed this in the weeks and months back when kim jong-il at least officially died and it was handed over to his son and it was talked about retired. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, no matter what happened, and and that can be my my one comment about Andrew Breitbart, that at this point, regardless of what happened, they're being yeah removed. We talked about the the relations between the U.S. and North Korea going on around that time, and there were intimations that there was some kind of food aid deal kind of hanging in the balance. So. North Korea announced Wednesday, and that was the leap day, February 29th, that it would suspend its nuclear weapons tests and uranium enrichment and allow international inspectors to monitor activities at its main nuclear complex. The surprise announcement raised the possibility of ending a diplomatic impasse that has allowed the country's nuclear program to continue for years without international oversight. The Obama administration called the steps important, if limited, but the announcement seemed to signal that North Korea's new leader, Kim Jong-un, is at least willing to consider a return to negotiations and to engage with the U.S., which pledged in exchange to ship tons of food aid to the isolated, impoverished nation. So a freeze on nuclear activity, if it holds, could significantly ease anxieties over North Korea's behavior at a time when the Obama administration, in an election year, is focused on halting Iran's nuclear program and reducing the possibility that Israel could attack Iran. The last significant effort to negotiate a dismantling of North Korea's nuclear weapons collapsed in the waning weeks of George W. Bush's presidency more than three years ago. Now, James, you see why I'm going through this this kind of main chunk of the article, because it does kind of contain all our all our cast of characters and our current storylines at play here is again we, you know it's it's we they call it theater of operations for a reason it is the greatest show on earth the united states and other nations have been watching closely to see whether mr kim's rise to power late last year after the death of his father kim jong il would result in a change in north korean behavior the signals have been mixed only days ago, Mr. Kim delivered a bellicose speech suggesting that he could resort to military actions against South Korea as he consolidated his power, as there were U.S. and South military drills going on. North Korea also agreed to a moratorium on test launchings of long-range missiles, which have in the past inflamed tensions in the region. 
But joint statements by the State Department and North Korea's official news agency gave no indication of when substantive negotiations over the country's nuclear program involving the United States and North Korea, along with Russia, China, Japan, and South Korea, might begin again. And I do have an extra video in there and links to other stories that surround all of this and there's going to be an envoy visiting the u.s and of course israel didn't miss the opportunity to say this in no way mirrors the situation that we're in with iran and james again all, all the issues and all the stories and all the cast of characters are there and it's basically food as a weapon it's the carrot and the stick well, that's think? exactly right, and it's a dictum that I've uh, brought up before on this broadcast, control the food, control the people, attributed to Henry Kissinger, and there's no better example of that than basically holding a nation and the uh, the children and the women of a nation hostage with this type of food aid politics, uh, and it's the most disgusting, playing with human lives, and at least some of that can be garnered from a digitaljournal.com article from January of this year, Are U.S. Food Aid Politics Starving North Korean Children?, and again, this isn't something new. This is something that's been going on and talked about for years and years. I've talked about it in my podcast before. I had a, a, an episode on food as a weapon. So we've seen this before. And unfortunately, as always, in so many of these big geopolitical wranglings, it's the uh, the average person and the average child there in North Korea that ends up suffering because of their insane dictator leaders and our insane dictator leaders uh, getting into their little you know stage show matches. So I, I think this will be interesting to see what, you know, what kind of goes on. Because North Korea has essentially kind of been on the back burner, I guess, as it were, as we have tend to focus on the sort of Middle East, Arab Spring kind of situations. And all the while now the, all the cries, you know, growing for, you know, why isn't the world intervening in Syria? So it's just it's fascinating on all these levels as you see situations that, you know, are at various levels of, of chaos and, of course, by design chaos, but why attention is given to some and not the other, and it all comes down ultimately to probably media control. But we, James, I think last week we discussed a little bit of Syria, and I'm not sure if we also discussed any Fukushima situations, but in addition to the North Korea to freeze nuclear work, U.S. to give food aid post, I do also have one concerning Fukushima from Reuters about the crisis going much further than Fukushima. But do you have any last uh, uh, thoughts on the Korean situation before we start serving up some witchcraft? Let's just move right along to the witchcraft. <laughs> and again, this is another interesting one. So I, I found these two different stories, one from DNA.info and, or rather DNAinfo.com and one from the Faith World blog. And the first one, New York Public Library starts serving up witchcraft. So that's apostrophe W-I-C-H, craft. The New York Public Library is teaming up with food vendor witchcraft, as in sand witchcraft. Clever play on words. Exactly. <laughs> and and I could have posted this on the on the occult site, on the Holy Hexes as well. The New York Public Library is teaming up with food vendor Witchcraft, and, and I'll give you the link, witchcraftnyc.com, to offer snacks and drinks to readers inside the Fifth Avenue main branch of the New York Public Library for the first time in its 117-year history. Under this partnership, 
Witchcraft will operate two carts serving handmade sandwiches, coffee, and other refreshments inside the famed Stephen A. Schwartzman building beginning today, March 1st. And the rest of the story just kind of grabs quotes from from folks saying it's a great idea. Museums do it. I'll definitely take advantage. You can knock off two birds with one stone. Research, read, and eat. And that's how many birds is that? Exactly. <laughs> that's uh, that's it, I think he he can, but he'll have time to work on that. It'll be nice to grab a book off the shelf and eat. Wonderful opportunity. Blah blah blah. And one of the you know the the cons says I don't want it smelling like food. There are tables out front if you want to eat. Keep it on the streets. This. First, James reminded me, as so many things do, outside the Springfield Library on some episode of The Simpsons, there's a big banner that says, we have books about TV as a way to just trying to get people to come into the library. I'm not sure what to kind of think of a story like this without maybe adding it to the other one, James. So let me throw the other one and I'll, and I'll tell you what, my, what I've put together here. From the Faith World blog, church turned restaurant leaves diners in a state of grace, and I'll spare you most of the flowery prose, but essentially in Portland, Maine, on the other half of the country, a couple bought a rundown, of course, blown out property in the econo crash, housing crash era, bought it for $675,000, did a two-plus million dollar renovation, and turned this former United Methodist Church into a new Temple of high-end dining, as the article says. And if you see the photos, it's it's amazing. I, I'd look at them and go, wow, you know, I'd, I'd go there. Oh, my God. But what I find fascinating about the, both of these stories is that we're bringing food into the places that maybe on some level are as part of those kind of crumbling institutions, public religion or institutional education and those kind of things. And it's ultimately maybe just coming down to, we just need to eat better, <laughs> and we won't have to worry about our gods killing other people's gods or, or any of those kind of occult knowledge or any of those kind of situations. So I, I guess I just find it funny that, on the one hand, the econo crash and people want to drag on and bring on food to try and wring any kind of profit out of out of anything. But I think it could almost be some kind of fundamental change. What do you think? I I don't know, but I do find it interesting the various religious uh, contexts and undertones in these stories and witchcraft and churches and things. I don't know. I just I think that's interesting in some way, but nothing I can precisely put my finger on. I guess I just it's I, I feel like it's a hopeful thing in a way that as you know as we've said so many times that you know food comes down and the health comes down and the environment comes down to be in kind of those essential kind of issues because you know you can't fight the information war you can't you know keep doing all of these things in this amazing world if you feel like crap and if you've been made to feel like crap so perhaps in a way i just kind of thought of the the food infiltrating you know libraries and and old rundown churches as a positive thing and there was an occupy tie into this as i guess i sort of in in my head and just the kind of imagination saw it as you know food occupying churches and and libraries and things but this one didn't seem to really get the coverage as much as the february 29th kind of occupy protests did yesterday but the occupy and the environmental and other food justice organizations held a day of action on february 27th and it of course gets into the food systems 
the genetically modified organisms and Cargill and Pepsi and Philip Morris and the seeds and Monsanto and Walmart and all of those things and even links to an op-ed by Willie Nelson. But I didn't, I didn't hear anything about this and, and it seems like that doesn't get the attention. But again, when you're throwing rocks through bank buildings, as did happen here in Portland, that's going to get all the attention, isn't it, James? Exactly right. I mean, I look at Occupy exactly like Anonymous, where, again, I'm sure there are great mm-hmm. people who are genuinely doing great things under that Anonymous label, exactly like in the Occupy label, but it, it's a question of what's going to get the attention. And just as in the on- Anonymous example, where it's, uh, oh my god, Anonymous hacked the FBI, or whatever the, uh, the scare quote of the week will be, will get all of the attention, whereas uh, anything else done under the name of Anonymous won't get any attention. In the exact same way, when Occupy does something valid that I, I'm completely behind, Occupy our food supply, that's pretty much the basic message of, of these Food World Order broadcasts and what I've, uh, what I've been saying on this broadcast for some time now. But that's a great message. I'm 100% behind that. Get rid of the, uh, the corporate food system, the industrial food system, which has been poisoning us for so long. But, of course, that's not going to garner the headlines, as you say, as throwing rocks through windows. Oh, my God, Occupy is throwing rocks through windows. And, and it's, uh, it's all a question of who gets to shape the message. And that's why, once again, it, it, it's all related, isn't it? It all comes back down to food or it comes down to the media or mm-hmm. these, uh, these bedrock I- issues. But then it, there it is. The, the media gets to say what Occupy is or isn't, or they like to believe they do. But their, uh, their waning listenership means that we don't have to listen to them and, uh, more and more people are tuning out in droves. So, so it's important to highlight stories like this, which again, oh. I would have completely missed if it wasn't on foodworldorder.com. I want to tie in one of the things you talked about, you know, just kind of bringing it back home, bringing it all home. I got in, or rather, it was one of those door-hanging things on the apartment today. Something I talked about, James, when you let me guest host a couple of weeks ago, I talked about something called Organics to You. That's a local organic food delivery service. And implored people to go look out and see if other kind of similar things maybe existed in their cities and towns but I, I think a hopeful sign is that I got a, you know, a, an advertisement for another service doing this, uh, essentially the same thing, this one being a little more of a CSA. And again, I think that shows that it's, it's only growing. I, again, Portland may be ahead in some ways, but hopefully not. And hopefully other people can just look up, you know, getting, you know, local in-season organic produce from, you know, all their, their nearby places. Some of the other things, James, before we cram right into the binge and purge, there's a funny post, NASA seeks amateur astronauts to study space food, the dream job of going to Hawaii and eating astronaut food in the Hawaii space exploration analog and simulation to, you know, it can't be tang and, you know, dehydrated ice cream all the time in the spaceman. Unfortunately. <laughs> and there is a report from New York Daily News, fast food nutrition labeling confusing and ineffective. And there's a research from, I, I have it linked up here, oh, Columbia University School of Nursing. Calorie postings in chain restaurants in a low-income urban neighborhood measuring practical utility and policy compliance. So that's a big, full mouthful. They're basically saying, in the ghetto, fast food places are lying to you because they're trying to take advantage of you, just like they're trying to destroy all the other people. There's different tricks for the different, you know, so-called, you know, stratus and strata of people because there's the same kind of trickery being pulled on the folks who 
shop in, you know, upscale, organic-y style grocery stores who think they've got it all figured out. But when they buy that thing, it's like, hey, you know, that's owned by Smuckers or Kraft or Philip Morris. So it, it is difficult. But, James, are you ready? Are we coming up against the break? Do we Should we even get into the oh, binge? we got a couple of yeah. minutes. Let's start with the binge and purge. And okay, because there is up after the break. There is a bit in there, and it's, as we speak, it's at the top of foodworldorder.com right now, and the binge and purge is just a list of headlines. And, James, there is a lot in here, and we won't go into nearly any of it. We're going to highlight a few main points, but also want to point out that I have been trying to add in some of the more, you know, environmental kind of biological and even drug war kind of issues that I've typically been doing on Media Monarchy, and I think they kind of have a better contextual home on the food world order site but enough shop talk food safety officials monsanto ties spur petition for ouster so bloomberg is covering the story but i also have a link to naturalnews.com help stop former monsanto vp from attaining top position at the fda and of course we're talking about michael taylor he of course doth protest too much and is saying that people are misunderstanding the work that he did as a lawyer for monsanto and that in no way affects his ability to keep moving up and up and up. And the Obama side keeps pushing him along as, you know, change Louia. Let's put a guy from Monsanto with all of their connections and all of the things that we know about them to say, oh, he'll, oh, he'll be great. It's a revolving door. And that's just like the photo that I attached to this showing Monsanto, King and Spalding being the law firm, one of those places none of us have ever really heard of and we're not supposed to, and the FDA. So there is a petition going, and this does seem to be getting attention, and it should call attention to the phony left-right paradigm for folks. I wish. Yeah, well, don't hold your breath. But on that note, we are running up against the break, so we'll take a short break. We also have a caller on the line, so we'll go to him after the break as well and finish up with the binge and purge from foodworldorder.com. So stay tuned right there. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final minutes of Corbett Report Radio here on this Thursday night edition of the broadcast. And we have James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com on the line for our regular Food World Order updates. But we also have Mike from Kentucky waiting patiently on the phone lines. So let's go to Mike. Uh, thank you so much for the phone call. And what's on your mind tonight? Mike, are you there? Mike. Earth to Mike. Okay, Mike can't hear us at the moment, so we'll just continue going over the Food World Order updates with James, and we're going through the uh, binge and purge. So, James, what's next up on that list? <laughs> well, it sounds like heavy breathing, but <laughs> Syria crops sheltered in Arctic doomsday vault. Because of the situation in Syria, they've made a big move to stash a bunch of seeds in the Svalbard doomsday seed vault, James. And I grabbed the story from Cryptagon, and it sources back to the Associated Press. The latest additions mean that the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, a master backup to the world's other seed banks, has now secured more than 740,000 samples since it opened in a remote Norwegian archipelago in 2008. Any thoughts on that? 
Uh, this is one that uh, immediately caught my attention. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, obviously, Syria has been next on the chopping block for a long time, and it's just uh, very, very interesting to see the elites moving to to make sure that they've got all the uh, the prized possessions for the uh, the coming new world genetically modified order, where uh, where they want to make sure that they have everything up in their little seed vault up up in Svalbard. So, um, absolutely fascinating to me. I, the Svalbard's Doomsday Vault thing is just something that, that constantly fascinates me, and I, there just isn't enough information about it and not enough people drawing attention to it. So when I see things, little bits and nuggets pop mm-hmm. up about this, it, I mean, it's always just interesting. So on the Binge and Purge, there are other stories about a California food truck ban. And actually, did did you play the Smiths there a second ago? For that my was the Smiths, yeah. Thank, well, was that for my benefit, or is that random chance? Random chance, my friend. Random chance. Andy Rourke to DJ at the Choice Eats Festival in New York, former member of the Smiths. But more importantly, James, BP seeks settlement with oil spill plaintiffs. There was a delay in the trial against BP, and it's scheduled to start on March 5th here in just four days from now. But BP is pushing hard to try and get everybody to settle so they can shut the hell up and go away, and this story can go away. We've also got updates on the wild weather, killing at least 13 here in the States. James, a 5.3 magnitude and a 4.8 hit Fukushima. I got that from enenews.com just two days ago. It continues to happen, and uh, we've seen a lot of earthquakes come in little clusters like that, two or three in a mm-hmm. row, so uh, always worrying because the reactors are still unstable and the containments are extremely unstable, so we just uh, don't want to see another big one there. And we've, I think, seen clusters of earthquakes off Oregon coast as well as, you know, again, James, you and I are you know, connected and separated by the Pacific Ocean Great Pacific garbage patch to get hit with debris from Japanese tsunami. That's from the Washington Post. But from a small Oregon press, SeasideSignal.com, keeping an Oregon eye open for tsunami debris. It's uh, it's coming, and it's just a matter <laughs> of when. There's been some indication that some of it's already arrived. There was some dispute about that. But anyways, it's on the way, so um, it's it's making its way. And uh, as we know, the, the Pacific has been vastly more polluted by uh, by what happened at Fukushima than they've let on. But uh, on that note, I think we'll have to wrap things up for tonight. Once again, James, I'm of foodworldorder.com. Thank you so much for the updates. Thanks, man. All right, and to all of you out there, thank you so much for all of your support. Once again, corbettreport.com slash support. You can sign up for the subscriber-only newsletter, get the subscriber-only video and news roundup and all of that, and a 25% discount on my brand-new DVD. Until tomorrow night and Friday night highlights, thank you all for listening and take care. <laughs>